Today on the Midweek Move, as we wrap our discussion on 1 John, we're going to be talking about compassion and prayer. Hello, welcome to the Midweek Move, podcast extension of The Healing Place. This is the podcast where we examine the scriptures line by line, verse by verse, and ask ourselves, what is happening here? And today, ladies and gentlemen, we are wrapping up our conversations on the book of 1 John chapter, well, not chapter 5, but 1 John. <laughs> I'm stuck in where we're at here. <laughs> so it was funny, off mic, we had a little conversation real briefly. Is this the first letter of John or is this not? <laughs> how, do we, how do we classify his gospel? <laughs> yeah, right. So that being said, um, guys, we are, like I said, we're wrapping it up. Last week, if you haven't seen last week's, so you can go back and check it out. Got some really interesting conversations about absolutes and not getting stuck on things that aren't necessarily absolute. But we are about to get into a really interesting conversation about some stuff that are absolutes in the lives of the Christian. So, Pastor, let's, uh, let's jump into it, sir. All right. Chapter 5, verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Okay, so John is beginning the closing portion of his letter, right, reminding the readers of his purpose, uh, which I think is important because there, there are some times where we say things and people kind of lose the plot. They get stuck up in all the other stuff, and he's like, I'm not here just to chastise you, to bring correction. I want to remind you, I want to encourage you, stir you up in your faith, if you will, that you're you're doing it. You're walking this out. You're, you are living with God. I want to strengthen your faith as we do this, which is so important. Uh, on a practical side, Pastor, how do you do that on a day-to-day basis? As a pastor, as someone that's a, a leader, how do you practically encourage people uh, in their faith? Uh, many different ways, you know. This this morning, uh, for me, it was uh, I was with a group of uh, people who work for a nonprofit in the city, and uh, just have an opportunity to to hang out with them. And sometimes it's a very um, it's a very deep, profound moment of like worship and prayer. Uh, and then other times it's very practical, like teaching, just teaching, and then just talking about what's being taught. Mm-hmm. This morning, it was very practical teaching about like five different types of people that are in your life that influence your spiritual passion. Right. And they can either add to it or they can take away from it. Like, how do we deal with that? Mm -hmm. And basically it was, I would write a couple of thoughts up on the board and then say, okay, like, how does this function in your life? Think of one person that's this kind of person. Mm -hmm. What does that look like in your life? And then everybody just started talking. Then all of a sudden now it's like, you don't just have one person talking. You got multiple people talking and then light bulb starts coming off in people's minds. Well, I wasn't the only speaker. Mine was just to get the conversation started. Mm -hmm. Once it got started, then all of a sudden now, everybody in the room starting to be encouraged. And by the time I got to the last person, which the last person we were talking about was people that maybe drain you, Mm -hmm. right? Well, that can sound negative, but it's, they're not bad people. Right. You've just put them in the wrong place in your life. Mm. And so when, when we landed with that, you could see around the whole room, it was like, oh my gosh, it wasn't that person's fault. It was actually my fault. Mm. I put them in the wrong place. So today it was just very practical right. about, hey, there are these different types of people in your life. Where do you put them? And when you put them there, is it the right place? Yeah. And if it's not, it's not their fault. That way you stay away from bitterness, unforgiveness. That's good. You don't like, you know, you don't hate <laughs> them now. You can still love them because you put them in the wrong place. Thereby you have the wrong expectation. Mm-hmm. 
very practical teaching. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it was just such a light bulb moment of, man, this is what God is saying in this moment. Mm -hmm. And this is such an encouragement in my faith where if you were just to tell somebody, hey, it's all on you, mm -hmm. that's not really encouraging. Right. But if you bring it in that light and now people go, well, it is on me and that's a good thing. Yeah. Because now I get to determine mm -hmm. what space somebody has in my life. Yeah. It's empowering now. Mm -hmm. So it can be that. It can be prayer. It can be you know, a cup of cold water in Jesus' name right. to encourage somebody in their faith. Cup of tea, if you will. That's right. <laughs> cup of tea in Jesus' name. That's right. That's right. So I think that's so practical. Even what you did this morning, it's a lot of what uh, John has done here, and he's like, he they know the answers to these questions. He's just reminding them. He's walking them through it. So often I feel like people and leaders, they feel like I have to tell you what it is. and how They don't lead people in the conversation so that they – affirm what's already there, what's already been given. Stir yeah, or up. they feel like they have to like bring this, you know, earth-shattering new revelation to people. Mm -hmm. Really, the greatest revelation we have in our daily lives is just being reminded of what God's already said. Yeah. I think. That's my opinion. Absolutely. 100%. And I think it's modeled by Jesus. Mm -hmm. He reminds them over and over and over. Yeah. And over again. <laughs> <laughs> and even after he resurrects from the dead and walks through a wall, he reminds them again. Right. And even when Peter's on the side of the lake <laughs> and Jesus has been resurrected and all that's happened, he reminds Peter again. Exactly. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? <laughs> Feed my sheep. Oh, yeah, I told you that. How many times in the last three and a half years? Right. Oh, about 150 times. Right. <laughs> Just reminders. But to Peter in that moment, it was the revelation that changed the whole trajectory of the rest of his life. Yeah. Being obedient unto death by just being reminded of something that he had already been taught. Absolutely. Which, by the way, is one of the key ingredients to the Holy Spirit. Mm. He will remind us of everything that Jesus taught. Exactly. That's a good word. All right, 1415? Yes, sir. All right, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, oof, that gets a little shaky right there. <laughs> We're going to talk about that here in a yeah, second. Yeah, <laughs> that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Now, we're going to go ahead and cut past. We we, we do not affirm the name and claimant nope. crowd. And this verse doesn't say that at all. It says we have this confidence if we ask anything according to his will. That's Not his our intro. will. Exactly. God's will. So flat out, right off the bat, we're not doing this name claim it, transferring wealth, all this other junk. But I do want to ask you this question because this is a question I've, I've, I've had people ask and they struggle with over the years is how do you know if what you're asking for is really the will of God? How do you walk through the process of going, this is what I feel like is my desire. I feel like it might be God's will, but I don't know. How do you have that confidence in knowing what the will of God is? Number one, I think his word. Like he's given us his will, mm -hmm. his word. Number two, uh, thanksgiving. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Give thanks. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Not, not for everything. Mm -hmm. We don't necessarily give thanks for the bad things that happen to us, but in those things, we give thanks to the Lord. Mm. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not sure if there's anything plainer. Yeah. In the word of God, what is the will of God to give thanks in everything, right? That is the will of God in Christ Jesus. And so, um, and, and also our spirit bearing witness with his spirit, mm -hmm. not our soul, not our flesh, our spirit 
yeah. bearing witness with his spirit. And our spirit will not bear witness with something that's outside of the contents of the word of God, outside yeah. of his purpose and plan through his word. And so, again, when, when God said he would give them the desires of their heart, that's predicated on something else, mm. that your heart is lined up with the heart of the Father. Right. Jesus said it, I and the Father am one, and I only do what I see the Father doing. Jesus was coming into alignment with the will of the Father. Mm -hmm. And so his execution of that was in the will of the Father. And what did he always do with the Father? I give thanks. Like, I think it's all there. It's yeah. just all there. Yeah. Again, I think it's a little more simpler than. And I get it. Sometimes we're like, well, I'm just not sure, and I feel this way, and I think this way. Well, I think if those are our first two go-tos, then we're already in the wrong direction. Yeah feeling and thinking. Mm -hmm. I think we go to God's word, we go to him in prayer. And then we do know that there's a very simplistic portion given to us. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. <laughs> thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And people have even taken that out yeah, yeah. of context and turned it into something that it never was sure. in the beginning. Uh, but I think that there are, there are things that God has given us in his word. Mm -hmm. We're very clear of how to pray the will of God. Absolutely. And I, you can never go wrong praying the word of God. True. That is that is a major thing I feel like people miss. Like, I just don't think it occurs to people. They go, I read the word of God. But the idea of praying, there are whole Psalms. Yep. There are prayers. That's right. And what did we do with early Psalms? We sang them. That's right. Why can't we pray them? <laughs> That's right. That's right. So I heard a um, there, years ago a story about a guy walking into a lunchroom of Bible college and just sitting there in the lunchroom with his hands out, looking at the variety of things. And someone walks up and says, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm asking God which line I should go into. And the guy's <laughs> looking at him and was like, well, do you want a taco? Do you want a burger? Or do you want soup? That's your options. Just pick one. I don't think God cares. Uh, your roommate may care, but <laughs> God doesn't care. And there's this, there's just this tension of like doing the will of God. And I had a buddy of mine, I might've shared it on this podcast before, uh, years ago, um, he was telling me about a book that he read and uh, about praying for the will of God. And it's walked through the process of, you know, reading the scriptures, being in prayer, fasting, fasting, um, fleecing the Lord in certain things. And it says that at the end of the day, if you've done all these things, if you've been in prayer, you've been in the word, you've been fasting, and you still just don't have 100% clarity on what the will of God is in a situation, you got one or two options available to you, just pick something. Just pick one, and Lord, Lord, Lord will probably bless it. Because if you're doing these things, if you're living the life you're supposed to, God will be on you, and he will take care of what needs to be taken care of as you walk this out in front of you. Yeah, and Jesus made it clear that really, ultimately, it's not about the step exterior that we're doing. It's about our heart. So mm -hmm. even if we take a quote-unquote misstep with a pure heart, mm. man, there's grace and mercy for that. 100%. It's not a corrupt heart. It's not a defiled heart. It's not an antichrist spirit. It's not a heretic. It's not being a Gnostic. It's not being a mystic. It's not all these things that John is dealing with, mm -hmm. all these types of people. It's with none of that. It's with the purest of motives. Mm -hmm. And when you have pure motives, you can fall flat on your face, and there's so much grace for that, where God says, get up where you are and keep going. Yeah. And, and, it, and I think that we get so gun-shy with just taking a step of faith that we almost talk ourselves out of the will of God. Because mm. sometimes the will of God is just the next step. Mm. And instead of taking the next step, we do what that guy did. It's like, just go for the taco yeah, and take a step for the taco. Right. And if your heart is set on the Lord, then the Lord will bless it. Right. Like, 
<laughs> if you shouldn't have tacos in your diet, don't go for a taco. Exactly. It's not the will of the Lord for your life right then. I'm thankful that tacos are in the will of the Lord for my life. <laughs> <laughs> there are certain things, foods, that are not in the will of the Lord for my life. Exactly. And I don't go to them. Because I know what's going to happen if I do. Exactly. And it's going to be a detriment to me, which God does not want. Right. And so I can even, in just that very simple explanation, be like, well, God got me to this point physically where I finally found out some things about my physical body. Mm -hmm. And when I found them out, now I'm responsible for those things now because I know them. Mm. And now that I know it, now to know to do good and not do it, to me it is sin. Sin, which is not the will of God. Right. How do I know it's not the will of God? If it's sin, it's not the will of God. Exactly. I remember years ago we were on this track about food, but we knew a guy who had some major issues, some health issues, like bypass and everything like that. God healed him, miraculous, but then it was two weeks later they're going down to sit down double cheeseburger mm. covered in gravy, and you're like, is this the will of the Lord? <laughs> I don't have a lot of patience for that, man. It's like, if you come to me desiring prayer and in desiring prayer, we're praying for your healing and you leave that moment and you go and do something that's contrary to what we just prayed, God will not bless that. Yeah. God and that's, will not bless that. That's where that whole being out of the will of God is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So crazy stuff. All right, well, let's continue on. All right, so where are we at now? 16 and 17. 16 and 17. And if anyone sees his brother sinning a sin, which does not lead to death, he will ask, and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. Now, this is an interesting conversation. We're, we're told that we need to be praying for those who we see are sinning. We're supposed to have compassion and be praying for those. But what does this vocabulary of there is a sin, there is sin not leading to death mean? Okay, so you've been flipping this on me con <laughs> consistently, and I get it, you're the moderator. But I'm gonna flip it on you. Right. What does this phraseology mean? There is sin that does not lead unto death. When I'm looking at it, what I'm seeing is um and and just from my study, a lot of people. By the way, you can tell he wasn't ready for that. I wasn't, but it's all good. <laughs> from my reading, I've seen other people talk about it. Also, is the fact that it there is something to be a delineage of, like you know, there's sins that we're dealing with. You know, you stub your toe and you you curse. Well, you're not going to go to hell right away for that type of thing, um, if you will. However, there is a conversation about a a sin specifically that is you know, do not pass go, do not collect hundred dollars. That's the blessing of the Holy Spirit. That is a sin that will lead to death one hundred percent. And so what it seems to be what we're seeing is John saying, hey, look, there are brothers that you see are struggling with their faith, and they need prayer. They need you to be wrestling with the Lord, if you will, for them um, because God has a plan and purpose. He can redeem them. But there are those who are just, they have blasphemed the Holy Spirit. They have gone outside of the, the fold so far. They have called what is good evil and evil good and don't worry about those individuals. Focus on those who are here and present that you can pray for, that you can go, look, God has a purpose for you, and then let God handle those individuals on their own. But there are those. Because I think there was a situation where people were going, well, if you said this, I'm done, which we do so often. There are so yeah, many right. people that, you know, we've we've seen them come to the altar and God moves in their lives, and then, you know, they kind of walk away for a reason. There are some who were just like, well, I'm just done with you. I have no grace for you. Well, bless God that God still had grace for you. Yeah. But there are those who you just don't worry about that. Let God handle them. 
You handle what's here in front of you. Now, some would say that's a hard saying, mm. you know, that that you would do that. But that's what the Word of God instructs us. Mm -hmm. John 6, all these disciples came to Jesus, the crowd, and they were all disciples. And many of them said, Jesus, this is a hard saying. Mm -hmm. And Jesus basically rebukes them, and they leave. Yeah. And then he turns and says, how about you guys? Are you going? And, of course, Peter is like, where can we go, Lord? Yeah. Like he's almost quoting David. He's like, where can I go yeah. from your spirit, Lord? If I'm in the heights or the depths, you're there. Yeah. Wherever I go, you're there. And Peter's almost uh, echoing that by going, Lord, there's nowhere for us to go. Yeah. But yet masses of not crowd, disciples, leave Jesus. Right. And I'm thinking, man, what are they thinking right. at crucifixion? Mm-hmm. Like after they've left him, because it was a hard saying. Yeah. Well, it was a hard saying, but it was truth. Yeah. And that's the deal is that hard sayings, the truth is hard if you don't want the truth. Yeah. And if you don't want to believe the truth, mm -hmm. and if you want to believe that something that is good is evil, something that is evil is good, if you want to believe that, then the word of God, anything from the word of God is going to seem a hard saying. Yeah. But Jesus makes it clear that in that hard saying, there's still kindness and grace and mercy. And it and just because we're not spending nine hours a day praying for that person that's hardened their heart against God doesn't mean that we don't love them. Right. It just simply means the Lord says, hey, there are some among you right here. And that's what John is saying here. He's like, there are some among you right here that their hearts are still softened. Yeah. You need to focus on them. You need to pray for them. Right. That they would come back. Right. And there are some, though, that they'll be like, well, but, you know, Jesus was all about, you know, leaving the 99 and go after one. Yes, but that's Jesus. That's the good shepherd. That's We're right. not him. That's right. Holy Spirit's the one that does that. We we stay stable. We continue what we're doing. We're the filled hand watching the flock. The flock. That's right. That's what we're doing. And, again, it's a hard statement. But what does he actually say? He's like, hey, good news. You don't have to write everybody off. There are people that you can affect, you can pray for, you can reach. Focus on them. And then that lands in the sovereignty of God as well. Mm -hmm. God is sovereign. Yeah. And he will do whatever he needs to do. And if it's a prodigal in a pig pen, you know, it's pretty interesting that there wasn't a witness or a testimony or a compassionate person. No one reached out to the prodigal. Right. That's good. I hadn't thought about this. He came to himself. Yeah. The revelation that I have a father mm -hmm. and I would rather be a servant in my father's house than a slave to a master that I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Nobody told him about Jesus. We know that his father thought about him, but mm -hmm. we pretty much know his elder brother wasn't praying for him. Yeah. And yet he comes to himself. That's the sovereignty of God. Mm -hmm. God meets people in a moment, and it doesn't mean that we don't love them anymore. It simply means that there are those among us that need our prayers even more because mm -hmm. that person has gone to a place where even our conversations with them are not going to bring them back to a place with the Lord. It's only going to be in a divine encounter with the Lord. Right. 100%. All right. We're at 18. 18. Uh, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. Now he's kind of covered that before this. Mm -hmm. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. All right, so here we have, again, this this conversation of those who are born of God do not sin. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with uh, George P. Wood about this, 
you know, that's that seems super intense because especially people feel convicted because like, well, I'm born of God, but I mean, I struggle with the sin. I'm, I deal with this this thing. But what I like here is that he's talking about, he's like, it's not that you don't sin, but you are active in guarding yourself. You're active and in, in, in taking care of not being in the position to sin. It's not to saying that, you know, there's no, I feel like I'm about to say this wrong. I want to make sure I'm saying this correctly. We're not making excuses for people sinning at all. But what it is saying is like, look, you need to be active in guarding yourself. There is grace for you. Well, I think the key is in 19 where mm-hmm. it says that the world lies under the sway mm-hmm. of the wicked one. Right. So, again, it's not a license for the people of God to sin, mm-hmm. but it is the fact that there, your heart is not given to the wicked one in a lifestyle of sinful behavior. Right, which is the actions of the people that they were dealing with. That That's time. right. That's right. There's a lifestyle of sin, a pattern of sin, an ongoing um, offense against God. Right. Rather than being born of God, receiving Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, now living for the Lord, loving the Lord, mm-hmm. but yet still in that imperfection, we we step into those moments of reaction that are sinful, but yet we give those to God. Mm-hmm. We recognize those. We give those to God because we're not hardened to the truth. We're not under the sway of the wicked one. Right. Verse 20, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Seems like such a weird... Ending. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it wraps up the the fatherly aspect of it all. It's the little children. Like again, he's he's talking to people he loves, he cares about, and he's wrapping up with like these affirmations. He's like, "Look, you know this. You know, Jesus has come. Jesus has given us the understanding that we may know Him, and Jesus has made it so that uh, we know that we are in Him." He's wrapping up this whole conversation of affirming, "You know this, and I trust you. Just walk in what you know." And again, the terminology, son of God. Right. Son of God. Over and over and over, John, son of God, son of God, son of God. Not denying his humanity as a man walking the earth, but Mm -hmm. continually coming back to Jesus being the son of God. And I love the fact that, again, he's speaking to believers, and he says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Anything that would become your focus other than Christ and Him crucified, mm-hmm. Christ the Son of God, anything that you would put in place of Jesus, mm-hmm. which many of them were doing. They were putting men right. in the place of Christ, which was taking away from the divinity of Christ. How do you check yourself? How do you make sure you've not done that? I, I've I've talked to friends over the years that they've put idols, like you said, out of men. They've there's been people that they've idolized, um, and there were good people, godly people, men of God even. And then they've seen dramatic failures. They've seen tragic endings. And there's a shaking in it that comes because they realize, man, I, I really begin to idolize this person. I didn't just appreciate them, but I idolize them. How do we guard ourselves from that mindset? Well, again, keeping the focus upon Christ. Mm-hmm. 
doing everything as unto the Lord, as the Word of God instructs us, being in the Word of God, mm-hmm. being in prayer, the moment we begin to lax in the disciplines of faith mm-hmm. are the moment we begin to, to depend on man. That's good. If not another man, ourselves, right. our own strength, mm-hmm. which we dealt with that a couple of weeks ago about loving the Lord your God with all your strength. Mm-hmm. That's not talking about physical strength. That's not talking. It's the opposite of trying to do it yourself. It's the uh, the mayode, right? The mayode, the muchness. It's everything that God has, has given you. Now you give it back to him mm-hmm. in loving him now to his service. So what he has get the time he's given us now we give that back to him the the gifts we we give that back to him the things that the Lord has blessed us with we give it back to him, and I think that one indicator of where our motivation especially with men is of how we keep from or how we notice when we are beginning to put someone on a pedestal is when their imperfections instead of grieving us make us angry. Mm-hmm. Because anger is sin, grief not so much. <clears throat> and I think that when we, when we begin to see ourselves getting to a place where we now depend on that person's affirmation mm-hmm. more than validation from the Lord, we know we're in the wrong place. Yeah. When someone's saying good job does more for us mm. than knowing that we are a child of God, we're on the wrong path. That's good. It's not that we don't, it's not that those things aren't good, but we should not have to need that every day mm. to walk with Jesus. Yeah. I don't need somebody to say great word to know that it was a word from the Lord. Mm-hmm. I don't need that. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's fine. But I don't need that because I just preach the word of God. Like I don't need somebody's affirmation that, that was a word from the Lord. Mm-hmm. It was a word from the Lord because it was from the word of God. Right. Now, my opinions or my stories and how those attached to all that are, are a totally different thing. Yeah. But just like this past or a couple of weeks ago uh, with seven verses of one letter, it was line by line. It was very little of like illustrations and all this other stuff and just right with the text of what was going on. Right. That was a word from the Lord because mm-hmm. it was directly from the word of God. And so if somebody goes up and says, hey, man, that was a word from God, I don't need that. If somebody comes up and says, hey, that really spoke to me, that's great. Mm -hmm. But don't look to me. It was the word of God that pierced through all that. It was the word of God that got to your spirit and just ripped your soul to shreds and got to your spirit to the point where you were like, I needed this. Mm -hmm. It wasn't me. It, It was just a conduit. It was the word of God. It was God meeting you in that place. Absolutely. And I, and I think that, again, recognizing that humanity is humanity and keeping that in context all the time. What saddens me is when people fall and people have lifted those people up to such a high place mm-hmm. that when those people fall or they sin or they have a hard time, that people do not extend to them the same grace mm. that they have been extended themselves, sometimes by that very person. Oh, yeah. And that tells me that they turned them into someone they never were. And that is not that person's fault. Yeah. That's your fault. Yeah. For lifting them and elevating them above the Lord. Right. Now, some people with a charismatic personality will try to, not even a charismatic personality, but some people will try to, 
they will insert themselves into the narrative to almost put themselves in a place in your life where they don't belong. Yeah. But again, that's still your fault. Yeah. By not knowing those guardrails, mm. those boundaries of, hey, I respect you and I love you and you know how I feel about this. Mm -hmm. With mentors and, and all that is that I have a lot of wonderful mentors and have had in my life. Um, but there were some times where I had a word from the Lord for my mentors and they didn't receive it because it came from me and not somebody greater than them. Mm -hmm. They had put themselves in a place in my life where they didn't belong. And I had not put them there. Right. And when they blew it and went against the word that came to them from the Lord, I was grieved. Mm. I wasn't angry. I wasn't angry at them. I was actually grieved. Yeah. Because I knew that the decision that they made was outside the will of God. Not because it came through me, but just because it was a word of warning for them from the Lord. Yeah. But they had put themselves in a place in my life, not me. Like when they fell, it didn't destroy me. Mm -hmm. It didn't make me question my faith. It didn't make me question the word of God. Why? Because a man fell. Yeah. That's it. Humanity fell. Humanity falls. Right. Because humanity is imperfect. So that doesn't shake my faith. Right. Sometimes people, and please don't get me wrong, but sometimes we fall apart when people blow it. Mm -hmm. And that is more of an indication of our own unbelief leading up to that than mm -hmm. it is to that person's. Oh, this person deconstructed. I can't believe it. Oh, I'm so shaky in my faith. Now, I, now I'm questioning everything. Well, to me, I question your faith before that moment. Mm. Not that person. Right. Like people deconstructing, that does not shock me or surprise me. And it doesn't shake my faith. Yeah. And it doesn't make me doubt what I believe. Mm -hmm. I know in whom I believed. And I am fully convinced. I'm not just persuaded. I am fully convinced that he is able yeah. to finish everything that he started. He is who he said he is. He's going to do what he said he's going to do. Jesus is coming again. There is a heaven. There is a hell. Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life. He was crucified on a cross for the atonement of our sins. He was resurrected as the Lamb of God. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He didn't leave us alone. He sent the Holy Ghost to live in our hearts as a witness and that as a draw to the Father, His very presence. It doesn't destroy my faith mm -hmm. because someone else fell. Yeah, It will destroy my faith if I've put those places people in a place of Messiah. Yeah, absolutely. And also this speaks to the point of like, just because somebody's fallen doesn't mean we just need to erase everything they did beforehand. That's right. Uh, there was a um, prominent damage control. Yeah. <laughs> there was a prominent uh, artist who was part of a group from the mid nineties, early two thousands who um, deconstructed recently and just walked away from the Lord altogether. And, you know, it, it shocked me because they were um, theologically very sound. They come from a Reformed background, which I have disagreements with the, with that, but their stuff was great. Their stuff that I grew from, that I was encouraged by, that inspired me at times. But I can still go back to their music going, this was still biblically sound. They were still, they may have struggled with this later. They might have been fallen away from this and denounced this later. But this is still biblically sound and strong. I can still stand on some of the teachings that they had beforehand. And I think that so often we have this mindset of like, well, I must erase everything they've ever done. We've had this conversation before. If we do that, then 
what happens to David? Right. You know, the only difference between David and some of these people that we've seen that have passed away, that walked away from the Lord, is we have the records that show that David repented. We haven't seen these people's records, and we won't until we get to glory. That's right. And we will never know. Like, we don't know someone's last breath Mm -hmm. with the Lord. As long as there's breath in your body, your spirit is alive. Yeah. And God can speak to your spirit. Mm -hmm. There doesn't have to be an outward manifestation on your deathbed. Mm Mm-hmm. And listen, I'm I'm not like, oh, deathbed conversions are a way out. It's not. No. But it is the grace of God. Yeah. And ultimately, he is a sovereign God, and we're not. Mm-hmm. And we don't save anybody. Right. He does. And he doesn't need me to be there to save anybody. Yeah. Again, the prodigal is a great example of that. Mm-hmm. And and I think that we we um we get so it's easier to erase mm-hmm. than it is to explain. Yeah. Cause if I can erase it all, then I don't have to explain anything. Exactly. But if I don't erase it all, then I feel like I have to explain something. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel that way. If somebody falls and it's bad and it's just treacherous, that, that grieves my heart, but I don't feel like I have to explain it. Yeah. Because I can look to Moses and I can look at Noah and I can look at David and I can look at prophet disciple, apostle, one right after the other, mm-hmm. and find imperfections and sinfulness in their lives that ultimately we still read and we still preach from the very things they wrote and they thought and they 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 put down that became the authoritative word of God. Mm-hmm. And that still doesn't shake my faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I just, I think that we're so fragile and in that fragility, we're basically telling an unbelieving world that we don't believe either. Mm. And that's more an indictment of, of our faith yeah. than it is anyone else's. Mm-hmm. Man, I didn't expect the conversation to go here today. <laughs> <laughs> that got deep, man. It did, it did. Woo, that got heavy. So here's the second last pastor. Give us his final thoughts on First John. But we want to hear from you guys. How has the series encouraged you? How has it challenged you? Reach out to us, mediahub at thbstreetport.com, or find us on Facebook. Look for a midweek move. And let us know. Let us know how we can pray with you, how we can encourage you, how we can help you take your next step with God. Pastor, your final thoughts on First John? Uh, I think where we just landed. I, mm-hmm. I think that was the Lord. I believe that was sovereign of the Lord of where we landed is that. And John dealt with this all the time is that, they were trying to either put themselves or other people up in a Christ-like place. Mm-hmm. Even even a way of thinking and an opinion above Christ. And John is con- continually bringing them back. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the Son of God. There is truth, the Spirit and the truth. Like all of that, um, of continually bringing them back to what was the most important, what was the focus, and that is Christ. Yeah, It's Jesus Christ. Because He is the only way to the Father. Right. And... You're not getting to the Father through me. Yeah. I'm not the mediator. Exactly. I'm not the Father. Good stuff. Well, guys, I want to hear from you. Again, Midweek Move on Facebook and then also Media Hub at thbshreport.com. Until next time, have a great week.